Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Gippsland. Uh, this time we venture down to Phillip Island. And no, we're not revving up our engines or maybe sampling some of the delights at the chocolate factory. We're catching up with another talented musician. His name is Mark Howard. Boy, has he had an epic journey through life. From a battle with eyesight to finding love on the island at the Phillip Island Football Netball Club by chance. He's passionate about the music industry here in Gippsland, and he's just released an album called Passing Strangers. A new single is on the rise. That is called Scarlet. We'll play a sample of that during our chat, and we'll also have a decent old yarn, as we always do, right here on Talking Gippsland. Mark, firstly... Hey, welcome to Talking Gippsland, the podcast form. Uh, nice to have you out. Thanks, Ed. Good morning. Um, we're at the Woolly Tavern as well. This is one of your local haunts, is that My right? local, mate. Yeah, this is the closest venue to my house. <laughs> so I appreciate you making the journey. Oh, that's all right. How far away from the, your joint is it? Oh, probably two clicks, two uh, clicks? towards the beach. Yeah, 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 not too far at all. So pub here, beach not too far away, guitar in hand. Life's pretty good. It's all here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us about... You, mate, the, the journey of you as a musician, firstly and foremost. Um, Passing Strangers is awesome. Uh, Scarlet's out at the moment, which is great. Uh, the tunes, how you're evolving. But when did you first pick up a guitar, mate? When did you first go, yep, music's my thing, this is where I'm going? I had a grade six teacher, Mr Thomas, yep. who used to, on Fridays, he would play guitar to the class. He'd sing Beatles songs, Cretan songs, and it was my favourite part of the school week. And I remember going home one day after one of these Fridays where Mr Thomas was, Mr T was playing uh, some of these songs and I said to Mum, can I get some guitar lessons? And so she uh, organised that for me and I got uh, about five weeks into these guitar lessons and I thought, mate, this is really difficult. I'm not sure if I want to continue this. My fingers hurt. Reading music's just too complicated. So uh, the, the sixth week came around and, and I stayed in my room and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to pursue this. And then my big brother just came into the room and said, you are, you get, get out of your room, you're oh. going to continue this, you're going to be the muso in the family. So uh, yeah, thanks to my big brother Adam for, uh, yeah, for just making me go to that guitar lesson because at that point I was able to really break through and uh, you know, be able, was able to change a few chords and then just persisted with it, really enjoyed it. Um, and then years later, I, I remember doing a gig at the Tower Hotel in Campbellwell. Yes, and Mr. The Tower. And Mr. Yep. Mr. Thomas was there in the audience. <laughs> he was there in the crowd, and I, and uh, it was just a nice full circle moment of uh, you know for, of where it all began with him playing those songs, and then seeing him in the crowd. Had he won anything at the Pokies? Because that's a Pokies venue, uh, and that's one of my locals when I was growing up as well. What what was that moment like when you saw Mr. T? Right, not. Not the A-team, Mr T, Mr <laughs> Thomas, there. What was it? And did he critique you after the oh, play? He was, just pr- he was beaming with pride, as, yep. you, as you would, seeing you know, any former student you know, doing what they love doing, but, but knowing that, that you know, he was the spark. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was just one of those full circle moments that you have yeah. in life. Mm. Yeah. The song. What was the first song that you were trying to play on the guitar? For me, I remember Guitar Lessons Year 7, Riders on the Storm. And we're all playing the same chord, going, no, 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 no. Um, 
probably a little bit clearer than that for you as well. What was your song? What were you trying to get your head around? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I, uh, I remember I remember doing <laughs> Love Me Tender yeah. early on by Elvis Presley. And uh, I, had, I remember having to sight read that. that was, uh, I found that challenging, but uh, I committed it to memory. And then there was a, and Blowing in the Wind, Bob Dylan, was, yeah. was, that was in the songbook as well. And I remember being able to change the chord from A to D, and that was just a revelation for me. And I was like, wow. And then I think once I was able to change to E, I think that was just about a million songs just opened up to me. And then, jeez, um, uh, what were some other tunes? Uh, very popular, of course, Smoke on the Water. I yeah. think every, yes, you know, every guitarist yep. uh, learned that riff at some point. And uh, what's, um, what's the Cream song? Um, Sunshine, of Sunshine of Your Love. Sunshine yeah. of Your Love. Great yeah. riff. Uh, with those, that journey, you mentioned you had that initial struggle. Was it just reading music? Was that, was that the... Because that for me... And I'm a creative, but that side of the brain just sometimes just mm. doesn't link over, whether it be languages or whatever it is. And music is a language as well, especially when you're writing it. Yeah. Um, was that an initial challenge? And if it was, how did you overcome it? It, it, just, it wasn't fun. Like, I, the, yeah. the, the, the discipline of it, you know, and having to practice. And, you know, I was a 10-year-old, 11-year-old boy, and, you know, I wanted to just hang out with my mates and ride my bike and go to the skate park. So it, there was a point where I go, I'm just, it just didn't feel like fun. And then once I broke through that barrier, encouraged by my big brother, uh, it became fun. So, yeah, the, the, the challenge was, uh, you know, having, yeah, just you've you got to work hard to develop a skill. Yeah. And, uh, but the rewards are there if you stick with it. And I think that was, uh, that, was that moment for me. And big bro, Mr T, some of your early influences. From those moments there, obviously you had that... that l- well, just a moment there with Mr. Thomas at the Tower. Well, what was the next one when it's like, right, we're putting albums together or we're putting music together or even gigging regularly? We, can you walk us through that journey as well? Because I know we've got a lot of young musicians around our region here on Phillip Island and, of course, right across Gippsland where they're starting out at 16, 17, 18 and trying to forge a regular gig mm. at a local establishment such as the Woolly here. Mm. Like, how do they go about that? Well, you've got to do it yourself. Yeah. You've got, you can't wait for anyone else. And uh, <coughs> once I got through grade six and entered high school, I realised there was a few other guys in my class that were playing music. We teamed up with them. And every Saturday, I would uh, just have a jam session at my house. Uh, I think the first band I had was called Deadly Illusion. <laughs> Deadly <laughs> and, Illusion. And we got together doing Nirvana covers. Yes. And... and uh, uh, and ha- but it was just so much fun, and then so we would organise our own gigs, just at just at our at, at parties, house parties, house parties, yeah. and then assemblies. I would approach the um, yes. the 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 the, uh, the head of junior school and say we want to do a gig at assembly, and of course they get right behind it, you know, because you're taking initiative. And uh, and as long as the songs weren't too offensive, then of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it was just a, and it was a great build up, you know, and and you know. Just school became much more exciting when you had a performance at assembly. So that was a real thing that, that uh, at least every term I would uh, make sure that there was assembly performance. And you learn a lot, you know, about how to prepare for a gig, how to promote a gig. And so you, you do all that stuff early, but it's fun doing it. Posters around the school, that sort of yeah, stuff? Yeah, all that. I think yeah. that, and then that, uh, and having, and, and doing all that um, over the years and then getting up to year 10, it was my communication project putting on a concert with a band I had called Bangers and Mash. 
And uh, it was, I think, every kid in the school just came along and it was an event. And so you learn there, you learn, you learn there and you learn early, you know, how it all, how it all works. But you don't wait for anyone to do it for you. You, you know, you, you take the initiative and you do it yourself. So from Deadly Illusion to Bangers and Mash to going into your 20s, right? And <laughs> this is our journey, isn't it? We finished school, right? Mm. You've had this success at school. You know, you're getting respect from school. And then all of a sudden, I think for a lot of people, we're still trying to find ourselves in our early 20s. Mm. You found music. You've got that passion. But then you've got your own journey of might be work life, might be leaving home, might be all that sort of stuff. So walk us through that little bit there of in your 20s, you've left school, right? You're working hard for yourself. What was that like going, right, okay, we want to make money out of this. We want to, we want to make a successful career out of this. We have big dreams. We want bright lights. We want Las Vegas, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, where did that sit with you? Uh, well, I was really lucky as soon as I finished school, even before I finished school, so just, uh, you know, just, be, just before my 20s, um, I, I found a, uh, a pamphlet at, uh, at a shop in, in, on Flinders Street called Smoke Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> do you know Smoke Dreams? Yeah, I do. So we were, uh, there's all these pamphlets advertising for band yep. members, you know, mostly death metal bands looking for a bass player, must have a felony. You know, <laughs> Slapping little numbers uh, in the breeze on the pamphlet, yeah. rip it off and give them a call. And yeah. at, at the bottom there was, uh, there was one pamphlet uh, that said Singer Wanted. And at that point, it sort of, I saw myself as more of a guitarist, but uh, uh, had been singing more and more and thought, I'll give this a crack, because I'd mentioned a few bands. Uh, I think Powderfinger was, was on, on their list of bands that they were influenced by. So I called one of the guys, um, auditioned for the band, and luckily, luckily enough, got in. The band were called Willow, and these guys were a, bit up, a few, couple of years older than me, but just really good uh, mentors early on. And uh, they were able to sort of guide me through um, what life was going to be like, you know, trying to find, uh, find a way in the music industry. Yeah, um, yeah so it, it was, and this was before social media, so it was a different game back then. So, you know, the, but it was still a hustle. But the hustle was on the streets. The hustle was, you know, going to cafes and handing out flyers and, and making phone calls and, and uh, all the hard work, you know, you, you really had to, um, you know, be on the streets doing it um so uh and we had you had you have to find different spaces in which to work you can't just you've got to have your dream that you focus on but you can't have your blinkers on you could have have peripheral vision and see you know if there's something sort of sparkling there on the side you can you can go for that too so there were a few other spaces in which to work uh so you do have you learn pretty quick to be to 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 diversify and Make sure you're not, you know, you're not just focused on the one project. With that of getting your music out there, right? So I, I think about that era of, you know, 90s into 2000s, you and I are similar vintage, in that the music scene had changed. So for bands like Chisel and NXS and all that sort of stuff, we, we know their story, but they, like NXS, was hit the American universities and get all their music out that way. Uh, from the pub scene here from the 70s into the 80s, it was, okay, to get your song on radio. Mm-hmm. That was the go. Mm. But it was a bit different in the 90s and the 80s. It was more Triple J. It was more Rage. It was more all that sort of stuff there to try and knock on those doors mm. to get your recognition that way. Is that where you were trying to push yeah. yourself? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we did have uh, some moderate success uh, being played on, on Triple J and, and Triple M, but maintaining that. Yeah. Once you get there, that's that's, that's just half, that's that's half that's only half the work. You've got to you've got to make sure you've got your two, three, four, five year plan in place uh, to to continue it. And up, but on top of that, the band at the, at the time there were five members, and trying to keep all those guys together, mm-hmm. and you know you, you're changing members, you know every year or so, and uh, that gets to be a bit of a grind, and uh, so. Yeah, you've got to make sure you've got a pretty cohesive unit if you're going to go down that path of, you know, working together as a band. Do you prefer being solo compared to being in a band? Uh, I, I enjoy having the control and just making it a bit easier. Like, it's... Um, but you, but you've all, it's really important to surround yourself with good people if you're going to go down the, the solo path because you, you, you still... You've got to collaborate. You've got to collaborate. You've got to be open to other ideas... Uh, so make sure you, you're surrounded by good people, um, and yeah, that's sort of what I've learnt is that as long as I've got good people around me pursuing this solo thing, which has only been a recent endeavour, um, it's definitely you can streamline the process on your own, but you've got to have good people around you. Why did you make the decision? Why solo? Why? Why do you think a it's working for you? And then I guess that decision, that point, that moment as a musician to go, yeah, this is this is. This is the tangent that I'm going on at the moment musically. Well, I've all, I'd always I've always done solo gigs. Yeah. So I'd always done you know done the grind of playing you know front bars and pubs and and sticky carpet venues and you know underground hovels and hello to the SB <laughs> and uh, corner hotel. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few of them. There's a few. There's quite a few. The taupe. Yep. I reckon. Yeah. I reckon I, I, I bent down to pick up a lead at the tote and, uh, and my jeans ripped just from how sticky the carpet yeah. was. <laughs> Palace in Campbell. Uh, we'll just leave it a list of on. Uh, they've all cleaned up their act by the now. Uh, but yes, no, they were interesting times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, with that, though, you've made that decision. You've gone solo. Did family come into it at all to have that balance? Because sometimes when you've got the, the band, it's like you've got a group going that way. But hang on, you've got family life as well. Uh, in your hip pocket and you want dare I say it trying to make some balance yeah that, I mean the, having the family there only inspires it only inspires me to, to do it you know and, and to, to have a legacy yeah. as well and to leave something behind and, but also to, you know I, I want to show my kids that you know it's worthwhile pursuing your dream yeah. no, no matter what stage of life you are just if you've got a burning desire to do something do it do the kids like having dad away, having because I've seen you over the summer period. You know, you're on the Esplanade, and you know you got the. I, think, I don't know where they got the tarp from or the little uh, enclave that you had there. I'm glad you're being sun smart there, Mark. Um, but what do the kids think of dad being a rock star? Uh, it's just it's 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 normal for them. <laughs> it's normal for them, and it's and when I go on tour, they come with as well. So. It's just that's just what their life is, yeah. and I and I hope they enjoy it. And I hope um, being thrust into different, you know, going to different venues, yeah. going to different events, I hope that sets them up to being, you know, pretty resilient. And um, you know, they're able to make friends pretty quickly because they're just thrown in different situations all the time. Are they musically entwined? Are they are they heading down Dad's track? And you know, all of a sudden you might be in a band again, back down the track. Well, it's what what is the influence that they are getting obviously the travel factor uh balancing that as well as dad and seeing dad singing a song and all that sort of stuff um but are they 
intrigued? Yeah, I'm sure. It's just, it, it's like osmosis, isn't it? You yes. know, it'll, it'll, it'll rub off and if, uh, I don't want to push it too much, but if they're, when they're ready, you know, they've, uh, the, the eldest gets um, guitar lessons and, and he asks me for, you know, to, to figure out a song for him from time to time, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't want to put too much pressure on them. I don't yeah. want to scare scare them away from, yeah. you know, if, if that's if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Yeah. Mark Elch joined us on Talking Gippsland. Uh, we're talking music. Uh, we're talking about his journey uh, musically. Outside of music, how do you maintain that? Because we talk about this epic word as a parent, as someone that's working, as someone in the creative industry, balance. Mm. <laughs> what do you do? What, do you, what, what, what keeps you, I guess... Settled and, and calm and enjoying the moments that you have, whether it be up on stage or off it with the family and things mm. like that. What's your, what's your balance? Uh, well, I always make sure I've got a day to myself, yeah. and that's generally, you know, um, uh, I, 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 I love doing yoga. I make sure I do yoga once a week. Yeah. Um, and just remaining active. Remaining active gives me plenty of energy to, uh, to be available for my kids, you know, I don't want them coming home from school and just me being tied up doing, you know, booking gigs or, or, or promoting the next thing. I just want to make sure I'm available. So, uh, and just being, just not letting, not being overwhelmed by things. Sometimes it feels like, um, you know, it's too much to try and, you know, to climb this mountain, but you, you, you do, you, you know, you can do what you can and sometimes you just got to settle with that and then be at peace with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, you, making myself available for family is, is incredibly fulfilling. And, uh, and if I can squeeze in you know, some music <laughs> in between, then hopefully I can strike a balance. Is your most stressful thing being a fan of the Melbourne Footy Club? Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, all, and all, that's, yeah, that's, certainly, um, that's certainly hard to deal with you know, at times over the years. I've just seen the scowl come over your brain. Oh, yeah, there's trauma there. Tra- there's trauma there. There's trauma there that I'm yet to deal with. Yep. But, uh, look, we, we, we had some success a couple of years ago, which was, uh, that was, you know. Does it count? I would, love to, I would love to have been there. Yep. So I feel that I'm not really going to die a happy man until I can witness it myself. Yep. Mm. Yep. So when you see that, and it's interesting to always see who people line up with when it comes to sporting teams and things like that. <laughs> um, when you see the journey there of in the pits of despair, then all of a sudden a rise and a little bit of a roller coaster, have success, but you can't be a part of it. And then there's turmoil again with certain players, mm. straight set final losses, expectation. Um, are you used to? Are you used to being on the other side of the critics now? It's like, oh, no, you should be winning now. Mm. Not, oh, you're pathetic, losing, shouldn't be even in the AFL. How, does that affect you at all as a, as a person? Nah, look, it is. It's, there's so much drama and emotion around mm. football that uh, you have to compartmentalise that and just, <laughs> you know, just, sort of, just leave the emotion behind, yeah. I think. And once you do that, you can, you can enjoy it. Yes, you can enjoy your footy. Yes, you can. <laughs> Take the emotion out of it. Uh, you'll live a happy life. There's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, even if you get frustrated. Um, island life. Why Phillip Island? Why? Why? Why are you here? Why are we? Why are we at the Woolly Tavern? Why? Why live in Phillip Island? Yeah. Well, that goes back to what we were talking about before. You know, and, and pursuing a, um, a career in music. Oh. 
Philippon was a home away from home for a long time. One of the members uh, of the of the of of the first band that I joined after school, he lived down here. Right. And um, so we would do a few. We did quite a few gigs in Melbourne, and we were, and we were really um, you know working that scene a lot. <clears throat> and then we booked a few gigs down here, and just found the audiences to be really you know uh, receptive and hospitable and and um, enthusiastic. Yeah. So it was always fun. So every other weekend, we'd come down here for a show and, and before we knew it, we were building an audience. And, uh, and it, just to get out of Melbourne was great. So, uh, there, was, so was a, there was a strong connection to the island early. And then um, years later, I, I was doing a function for the Phillip Island Footy Club. It, this was a black tie affair, although I didn't get the memo, and I, I had I rocked up in UGG boots, a hoodie, and, and dreadlocks at the time, so I, was, I looked a shambles. Island attire. <laughs> However, you can in the band you can get away with that sort of stuff. So, but in the crowd was a girl who became my wife, and ah. so, so we met down here. She lived in Melbourne as well, yep. and then when it uh, came time for us to settle down, we thought, well, Philip Island makes sense. So yeah. that that sort of, it, it, it was it, it felt like fate. Yep. to end up here. Were you moving in similar circles when you are in Melbourne? Like, where, where did you and your partner in crime grow up with? And is it just fate that you ended up at the Phillip Island Footy Netball Club? Or was that just the luck thing? Or did you realise that you had been moving around in similar circles up in Melbourne? Yeah, uh, I don't think we'd been moving around in similar circles in Melbourne. She actually worked... She was the... Uh, she was a producer of Triple M. Right. So that was... That, that uh, intrigued me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an in. <laughs> Play my track. I could, I could. That's right. I could make a connection here. And uh, no, that wasn't my agenda at all. But but it did help. Um, uh, so we yeah we, we were moving in similar circles here on the island. Yeah. So that was nice to uh, you know because you're only one degree of separation from anyone here. Of course. So yeah. We, so we yeah we we became you know very close and and uh, had a lot in common and uh, it was nice to you know. Um, bring our circle of friends down here together. Yeah. Mm. Was it hard to make that move? No, okay. not at all. It was, it was a smooth transition because, because, like I said, it had been a home away from home for such mm-hmm. a long time uh, and we already knew so many members of the community. It, was, uh, it couldn't have been easier, really. Adam, your brother, big supporter, massive supporter. He got you, he said, you're doing it otherwise, mm. right? Mm. Um, what about mum and dad? What about the rest of the family? Have they always been a massive supporter of creativity? I know sometimes parents of that generation, the boomer generation, um, they might have other things on their mind. They might have, hey, you need to be a doctor, lawyer, whatever yeah. it is, and all that sort of stuff. Where do they sit on your creativity? Uh, look, I've got nothing but support, enormous support from all my family members and have, have had that from the beginning. Uh, there was there was pressure. I, I did go to uni after school and studied performing arts, but I had to uh, pull out of that because um, I had an eye disease right. uh, called uh, curinaconus, where um, uh, my corneas were coning out yeah. and light wasn't hit, hitting my retinas correctly. So I had to uh, have my corneas cut out and donor corneas sewn in. So there was a two-year period where I, I really couldn't see very well at all. Incredible. Wasn't able to drive and had to live with my dad. And and, um, and he was very supportive, uh, having, you know, to, he really wanted me to finish the uni course, but course. I couldn't but, uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, But just to have that support there was great. And, you know, my, I've got a twin brother. He comes just about every gig that he can. 
Uh, and yeah, all my family members have been just uh, amazing, really. Was there a sense of doubt while you were going through that? That because that could be traumatic for for anybody there. Well, well no. just to put a, a, a moment on that, like if you're comfortable to have a chat about it. Um, what what was that feeling of going right? You found this out, and then all of a sudden, for about two years, mm. you're struggling to see how does that change you as a musician and and I guess pathways of where you want to go. Yeah, I'd never, I'd ne- it never. Um, it, yeah, I did, it, it didn't stop me yeah. at all. Uh, I'd never even thought about, you know, how it would affect my music career. I just carried on. In fact, I, what I did notice was that my hearing got really good. I had this, this. I felt like I had a superpower because because you lose one sense. Yeah. And I, I remember sitting there uh, waiting for a tram in Camberwell late one night, and. Uh, couldn't see very well. I closed my eyes and I could, it was, it was a quiet night, and I could hear all the trees rustling around me and I could count seven different tones from these trees rustling. So at that moment I was like, I, could, I, sh- I should harness this power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, and have you, is the hearing still been, because uh, you're a musician, surely your hearing's going by now. You tap into, nah, I don't <laughs> No, I, I hope not. I hope not. But uh, you certainly become sensitive to it. But yeah, no, you you you, you can. I hone into that every now and then. Yeah. You know, especially when you're recording. You you know, you really need to to uh, trust your ears. Yeah. Mm. Mark Howard's joined us. We're on talking Gippsland, of course. One of our great musicians here in Gippsland. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this album, Passing Strangers. Um, the tracks on it and the involvement of it. Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier about. You know, Nirvana you mentioned and Powderfinger as influences or you were playing their music and stuff like that. And this isn't like that. Mm. Um, this is more soulful. This is, this is a journey. This is storytelling sort of stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, how proud are you about what you've got here in front of us? Oh, uh, yeah. Incredibly proud. You know, it's, it's, uh, it was something that uh, had to be done. Yeah. You know, and this, I think at the beginning of the... Of, the pandemic or just before the pandemic hit um i was sitting around uh, the fireplace with uh, my brothers and i played the i played a song pick me up which is the first track on the album um and my big man again adam goes he goes oh that's oh, i love that neil young song okay <laughs> no, that's not neil young that's it's one of mine and he goes he goes have you got an album and i realized i hadn't i'd you know i'd been i'd, I'd done recordings with bands but i hadn't had my own solo thing and that was, that, again, that was another spark that just went, that made me realise, I've got to do this. So that set me on a path. And the songs that seemed to work were the more, you know, like you say, the storytelling ones, the, um, the ones that, 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 that try to connect direct, yeah. directly to, you know, go straight to the heart. Yep. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's, that's how you feel um, with that. And I think it's, it's the soul. That's what we're talking about here. I think that's what I get when I'm listening to it and listening to your tracks and when you're going, hey, Ed, I've got another single. And I'm going, all right, let's play it out. Let's have a look. And I play it out literally two days before you and I have a yarn. Mm-hmm. This is my tradition. We have it during dinner. And I get the reaction from my wife, from my kids, anyone in the house at the time. Go, right, this is who I'm talking to on Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. And every single one of my family members going, that's... Like, my son, who's nine, says, that's emotional, mm-hmm. right? My wife said, that's hit me there. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to do with your music at the moment? Is that you're going bang, straight for the heart mm-hmm. instead of the, hey, how you doing, sort of head, head wobble? Mm-hmm. 
Yep, that's absolutely what I'm trying to do. Um, and I think that's that's what I like about music yeah. as well. And I think that's what works. I've tried, and and this is uh, credit to um, Dave Prado, the, who produced the album. Uh, he recognised that, and he and he um, really tried to highlight that. You know, each time I'd bring a song in, he, um, he'd really try and get that part out of me that made it feel like I was having a conversation with someone in the room and was speaking directly to them. Mm. So hopefully it is like an intimate thing when you're listening to some of those tracks that, um, you know, it's very, I want it to be very personal. A lot of the film clips, the creativity behind it as well, putting them, I love them. Um, the light and shade that you're using in it. But a bit of AI, you were telling me as well, with Scarlet, mm. uh, this latest single, this... This is different. Now, AI I'm a little bit nervous about as a radio presenter because they could take my jobs down the track reading the weather on a weekend. Um, but tell us about the use of that because I, I did mention to you when we uh, were organising this that, geez, the graphics, who was organising that? You've said AI. Mm -hmm. Tell us about how that's come about. Uh, my good friend Simon Mool, who uh, directed the Here I Am video, yeah. uh, he, I approached him about, you know... Uh, perhaps working out an idea for a music video for Scarlet. And he said that he'd just been working with this AI program. And uh, I was, I'm sort of apprehensive about yeah. it as well, but yeah. it's inevitable. And I thought, well, let's just dive into it and yep. see, you know, and see if we can make this feel authentic. Yep. So Simon threw a bunch of stuff, you know, uh, at, this, at this program to see what would work. Uh, some of it didn't, and it wasn't until we storyboarded the thing and made and, and we had to have a story. And once the story was there and the story was clear throughout the animation, uh, we knew that the, that it was going to work. But if yeah. it just felt like a bunch of like clever images, then I, I wouldn't have gone ahead with it. But it felt like the story was there, yeah. and it felt like it, it sort of matched the song as well. And it was just a fun process, just to. You know, animation's great, and I love animation. And there's just no way I could have done that. It would have cost me thousands of dollars, and, and it would have taken months, months, months. The first, one of the first music videos I ever did with a band called Willow was called Shorty, and I, we did it with a girl who used to work with Disney. And that that was months, months of work to, to get that up and running for a two-minute video. Um, but to do this in the time that we had, we, Simon whipped this up in um, you know in, in a matter of weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was the process, and and uh, I think if you embrace it the right way, but if you're still be able to be creative with it, then that's important. Don't let it do with the work for you. Yeah, and yeah, get it right, get it get it right, and you've got to be happy with it as well. It's your it's your brand, really, mm. in a lot of ways. Scarlet to me, I don't know. I feel like it's a love story. I feel there's so much going on in this one, um, but I started thinking about Deal Island off the coast of Wilson's Prom, and there's a lighthouse there, and right. no one else is there. That's it. There's nothing there, and it's in the middle of Bastrade, mm. and you just go, "What's going on there?" But can you tell us the meaning behind it? Because there's a little bit of ghosts here. There's 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 so much going on, um, and we've been speaking about the soul, but the story behind Scarlet, what, what is that? Uh, it's, it's full on. It's, uh, it's something that I had to let go. Yeah. Uh, I, had, uh, uh, I had a girlfriend, you know, in, in my teenage years. Um, and we had a lot in common, particularly music. You know, we talk about music all the time. Yeah. Uh, but she was she was a troubled soul. Yeah. And uh, she told me uh, a few times that she wanted to leave this world. Yeah. 
And, uh, and I didn't know what to do with that information as a young man, you know, and I tried just to be there. That's all I could do, you know, just be there and listen, be an ear. Yep. Um, and, but it, yeah, and, if, and fast forward a few years later, she did actually take her own life. Yeah. And I felt this, this sense of guilt because I knew that's what she wanted. Um, and it took me a long time to, to process all that. Like, what could I do with that information? Should I have done anything different? Yep. Could, I have, could I have changed anything? And I'm at peace now that I, that, I, that I couldn't have, but I could alchemize that feeling into something, to, into art. And uh, uh, when we were, I was uh, making some noise with, with uh, some friends of mine and Kate Willemai here and, and jamming out on a song and had a couple of chords together. And the first lyric was, she breaks. And that, the story, that story of that, my, that lover of mine just came to mind and, and I just wanted to, um, just to get that out and let yeah. that part of my life go. Yeah. And how does it feel? Yeah, it feels like you can, if you've, I think it's, it's an important message that you can turn grief and sorrow and sadness into something um, and let that live on. Yeah. So that feels, there's a sense of fulfilment there, but there's also a sense that, you know, she's got a legacy now as yeah. well.
The world keeps turning, nothing can ease my mind. We look at the album, it's done, it's your book, it's your journey, it's, it's your stories. So when's the second one coming out? When's the, when's the, when, and this is, this is the thing. We spoke about that with getting noticed with the Jays and all that sort of stuff, and you have some success and then staying there. Mm-hmm. What are you working on? Where, what's, this is wonderful. What's, what's the next one? Is it going to accompany this album or is it something different? Yeah, so uh, no, Passing Strangers has, has, has run its course. Yeah. I've toured all over Australia and, and, uh, and overseas with it. And um, Scarlet's the next single to come out, which will be part of the next album, which uh, I've penciled in as calling Deep Dark Blue. Okay. And uh, there's quite a few songs that I've already recorded, again with producer Dave Prideau, who, who did Passing Strangers. And uh, so, they'll, so we'll first release a couple of singles um, in the first half of the year. So you can definitely expect the next album in the second half of 2024. That's incredible. That's incredible. So already in it, already moving through. Um, there and there's, already, there's, there's, so, there's, we've already, there's quite, there's quite a lot of songs we've already recorded, and right. can already group up another uh, bunch of songs that, that oh. I want for the third album. Oh. Volume so one, volume two. So it's just a matter of time, and you've got to be strategic in how, yeah. how you release all that stuff. So who are you, who are you making the music for? Who's uh, it for? Who is it? Who who are you hitting? Is there a demographic? Is there a is there is it for the island? Is it for you? Is it for the family? Is it because generally when you have a book, you dedicate it to someone. Mm-hmm. From an album point of view, you're starting to hear these personal stories of you that are starting to come out. Um, who who do you? What do you want the listener to get out of it? When I was a teenage kid, you know, playing in bands and you know, in assembly yeah. and having all the my mates come over and play music at night, I would just like music just gave me so much hope. Yep, gave me so much hope. So the that, the music that I'm creating now, it's it's for that it's for that young kid out there that's you know that, that that's got a dream. So it's it's it, and hopefully it just offers some inspiration for for any of those young kids out there that uh, that feel that, that music can can change their life and other people's lives for the better. Love it, mate. Um, it's been great to catch up with you face to face for the first time. Yeah. I love having our yarns on air as well. Um, congratulations on this. Volume one, volume two, volume three, where how many of your catalogue going? It sounds like it's going to be another magnificent year, 2024. Um, I do remember when we first started chatting, you were sort of locked away on the island and you couldn't get over the bridge and things like that because you, you had all your gigs settled here. From a gigging point of view, are you going to be out and about? Because obviously there's a lot of studio work going on. What, what are your movements <clears throat> there? Uh, there's a festival, Morty Alec, Morty Fest, which I'm doing in early May. I'm heading over to uh, Adelaide for the Adelaide Fringe Festival yeah. on that Labor Day weekend. Uh, and I've got a couple of shows in Melbourne, um, uh, a couple of ticketed shows there. But that's, you know, people can find all that at markhowardmusic.com. That's it. <laughs> Don't forget that website and socials. Um, mate, pleasure to catch up with you, as I said. And enjoy the balance, fatherhood getting some roadies happening and helping you out there as well. And people love your music, mate. So just keep doing what you're doing. And thanks for being a guest on Talking Gippsland. Ed, thanks for your support, man. I'm, you know, you're, you're a campaigner and I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure catching up with Mark Howard down at Phillip Island at the famed Woolly Tavern. I tell you what, if you're down on the island, make sure you grab some grub there. Absolutely delightful fish and chips that I had there the other day. In the next episode of Talking Gippsland, we're going to catch up with one of our dairy farmers who has come up with a unique concept out near Tanamba called the Berry Dairy. It was hard to predict where exactly the water would go in a flood because it was so different to what it had been in the past. Um, so yeah, that was definitely some massive challenges and of course it's been quite a wet summer so we're a very outdoor 
venue. So yeah, we've had to close a couple of times due to rain, floods. We had one, I had one customer and one flood. I tried to put up as much as I can. Hey, we're closed due to floods. Like we're underwater here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> <laughs> like they in this little tiny car had somehow traveled through the floodwaters arrived at our gate and asked why we weren't open <laughs> yeah looking forward to having a yarn with nicole saunders uh, from the berry dairy out in tanamba on the next episode of talking gippsland chat with you soon this is our town